0: Welcome back to Toronto Today on TSN 1050. I'm Tony Ambrosio. Follow me on Twitter at Tony underscore Ambrosio. Follow us on Twitter at TSN 1050 Radio. We've got a poll question right now. It is 30 days, if you can believe it, to the day where the Maple Leafs will open training camp. And we ask you, what is the biggest storyline heading into the Leafs training camp? Is it Will the Leafs name a captain? William Nylander's contract situation. He's an RFA, still unsigned, 30 days away from training camp. The young D-man at camp, will Timothy Lilgren make the jump from the AHL to the pros? We expect Travis Dermott to have a bigger role on the Leafs blue line this year. And the fourth option is just simply seeing Tavares in blue and white. We had Dave Poulin in earlier, and he talked about that being the main storyline for him. Everything revolves around... Uh, John Tavares, and uh, that's what Dave had as his top choice. You can take part in our pool at TSN 1050 Radio. We'll talk some more, Elise, in just a moment. We'll be joined by Kristen Shilton, our Maple Leafs reporter. I just want to give you some news update. Uh, You may have heard about Aretha Franklin. She is gravely ill right now in a Detroit hospital. Her family is uh, surrounding her, so the Queen of Soul... Certainly many people are thinking about her today. And when I heard the news of of Aretha's illness, I thought back to 2016 U.S. Thanksgiving, the Lions taking on the Vikings, and Aretha Franklin with an incredible rendition of the Star-Spangled Banner. Four minutes and 35 seconds, but when you're the Queen of Soul... You can go as long as you darn well please. And it was a a memorable moment. I think the last time we've seen Aretha Franklin out in public performing. And that certainly is a memory that uh, lasts with me. Other news, too, from the world of wrestling. This is uh, sad news. There are plenty of reports indicating that Jim Neidhart has passed away. A number of wrestlers and former wrestlers have been tweeting about this. Ric Flair my good friend, Jim Neidhart, a world-class athlete and a man among men. Rest in peace. He tweeted that out about 48 minutes ago. Uh, Devastating news. Jim Neidhart, my friend, has passed away. I can hardly believe it. Rest in peace, brother, until we meet again. That from Brutus Beefcake. So Jim, the anvil Neidhart, passing away. And uh, when I think of wrestling from the 80s, I think of the Hart Foundation. I think of Jim the Anvil Neidhart and Bret Hart and anybody that has that kind of nickname. That name, his appearance, he's iconic, will stick with you over your years of youth and uh, certainly a tragic loss and a big loss for the uh, rusting family as Jim Neidhart has passed away. 30 days from today, if you can believe it or not, the Maple Leafs will open training camp. Led by John Tavares, wearing number 91 in the blue and white. He'll step on the ice as the Maple Leafs open training camp. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner heading into their final years of their entry-level contracts. Will they be extended before training camp starts? And if not, how will that impact the start of training camp for those two young players? And you've got discussions about, well, will Marner see most of the time with Tavares on his wing? We we certainly suspect it'll be Nylander and Matthews again on that line. Will they hand out the captaincy during training camp? Is it even necessary? What does Mike Babcock do to kind of temper expectations during training camp? You know the Toronto media will be full bore going crazy on John Tavares. How does he calm the masses? What, if anything, does he do at training camp to tell people to just take it easy, take a deep breath? Let's play things out. Let's see what happens. Does a young player like Timothy Lilgren finally make the jump from the AHL to the NHL? Is he part of your 4-5, 5-6 defense pairing? Does Travis Dermott have a bigger role this year from day one on the lease blue line. There is nothing to suggest he shouldn't have that. And of course, William Nealer's contract will be up for discussion. He is an RFA. 30 days from training camp, he is still unsigned. He's not going to be at training camp unless he's signed. And if he is signed, do Kyle Dubas and the Leafs management team go with a short-term bridge contract? Or do they give him a longer-term deal, the deals we've seen with other RFAs, like Nikolai Ehlers? What happens there? And of course, this is the final year of both Matthews and Marner on their entry-level deals. What happens there? Will that be a talking point throughout the entire training camp? And as you know, the Leafs have parted ways with Leo Komarov and Matt Martin and Roman Polak. They're faster than they were a year ago, but they're less tough, they're less gritty. Will this be an issue to watch for in training camp? Should it be an issue to watch for in training camp? And then you've got the power play situation where you lose James Van Reams Dyke. He scored 11 power play goals last season. Only Nazem Kadri scored more power play goals than JVR. Who replaces JVR on the power play to pick up that offensive slack? So again, training camp for the Leafs opens 30 days from today... And I know one person who just can't wait for it because her summer isn't long enough. And I say this with tongue firmly planted in cheek. We welcome our TSN Leafs reporter, Kristen Shilton. Kristen, thanks for doing this on a mid-August Monday. Oh,
1: absolutely. Happy to be on talking about the
0: Leafs. <laughs> you can never get enough leaves, huh? <laughs> you never can, enough Leafs. You can follow uh, Kristen on Twitter at Kristen underscore Shilton. So right now, on August 13th, what do you think will be your top, let's say, three storylines that you'll be writing about once training camp begins one month today?
1: Well, I think you kind of hit it there just in your intro talking about uh, the power play. I think that's going to be how, it, how it's going to shake out with the addition of John Tavares, with Austin Matthews, Nazem and Kadri. Who's going to go where? What role are they going to play? Uh, that that garnered a lot of a lot of points for the Leafs last year it was a big part of their success. So how they're going to retool that without JVR this year? That's going to be very interesting. The defense is still a question mark. Who's in? Who's out? Who ends up making up that top six for the Leafs on the back end? It's going to tell a lot about how this team's identity is going to form. Are they going to just be all about speed and scoring and just try not to give up too much? Are they going to be a heavier D? What's Ojuganov when he gets into the mix? How's that going to work? So that's number two. And then number three is, you know, this is a team that doesn't have... Um, you know, they don't have a Matt Martin. They don't really have a lot of that grit and that, uh, you know, not getting slapped around, as uh, Mike Babcock would put it. They don't have that. They've gotten faster. They've gotten rid of some some slower skaters, and they've added speed. So what does that mean for how this team is going to look going forward? If they don't, you know, do do they have anybody who can get under the skin? Do they have anybody who can be a bit of a pest? Those are kind of the, the questions that I'll be looking at.
0: It's funny that you didn't mention John Tavares in the top three. Um, I, I mm-hmm. guess in, in a way, but, but but in a way, he'll impact. So, the, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I guess in a way, he, he impacts the power play, right? And then he impacts mm-hmm. the, the exactly. you know, ev- everything can revolve around John Tavares because if Tavares is playing well, that, that. means the Leafs have the puck and the D may not be so rel- reluctant to move the puck because they've got John Tavares. Okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it all comes down to, you know, how is Tavares going to fit onto this team? Just, just how, where is he going to play? Who is he going to play with? How are those centers? really going to match up so that's going to be interesting as well but he's he's going to be such a big storyline all year no matter where he is no matter what he's doing so he's just going to be constant going into camp you're you're going to be looking at him maybe more than any other player but there are other aspects of the Leafs that are bigger question marks probably than Tavares even.
0: Yeah and Tavares has been in the spotlight since he was 13, 14 years old mm-hmm. but do you expect okay. the Leafs to somehow try and, and shelter him in training camp?
1: I, I would so I don't think that that's really Kyle Dubas' uh, M.O. I, I think he wants to, you know, promote what the team has. He wants that to be an exciting storyline. He wants people talking about the Leafs and, and being, you know, and really getting into it, being excited. Tavares is a very exciting piece. And because he's been a captain before, he's played for Team Canada, um, he's certainly been in every single spotlight within this game, like you mentioned, since he was uh, a young a young guy. So, there's, there wouldn't be any need to shelter him. It's more about how, how are they going to put him out there in terms of leadership? Is he going to get an A? Is he going to get a C? How are they going to, I guess, sort of bring him out uh, on that first, even that first media day and into training camp? Will he talk every day? Mm. How is it all going to piece together for the Leafs? And, and are they going to try to put him out more and maybe protect Austin Matthews a little bit more? that was certainly what Lou Lamoureux wanted to do, but is that how Kyle Dubas is going to continue? I'm not sure, but that's an exciting thing to think about as well for the Leafs, is that they have these these pieces who, uh, you know, will be leaders, of course, in the room, but how are they going to, you know, put those players out, and what are they going to be, what's the message going to be going forward from training camp with those, those leaders like Tavares?
0: And you mentioned the leaders. Do you think, Kristen, that the Leafs will name a captain during training camp?
1: I'm, I'm going to say i think that they will just because they understand probably the same as we do that it's going to continue to be a storyline for as long as there isn't a captain and that do you want it to be a distraction do you want it to be something that that the have to continue dealing with and continue addressing and it just i've said this before but it just raises more questions than it answers that they aren't naming a captain like do they really not feel like there's anybody in the room who can handle the responsibility. Do they really not feel like there's anybody who can put that C on and be able to handle uh, everything that comes with it in Toronto? And if they don't, well, what does that say about you know the team as a whole? It seems from an outside perspective, or from my perspective certainly, that there's there's guys in there who would be good candidates. But if they don't name one, it just continues to be a storyline that goes on and on and on. So after a couple of years here, I, I think that they will name someone, but I thought they'd name someone last year too, and it didn't end up happening. So. Oh. Uh, I guess we'll see in training camp. First day of training camp, it'll be a first question on the docket for sure.
0: Okay, well, having said that, and not to put you on the spot, but I will, if they do <laughs> issue a captaincy, who mm-hmm. is the captain?
1: Well, I I see it from from a two different perspectives. A lot of people talk about John Javarez and Austin Matthews sort of being the two main candidates. I've always thought that Morgan Riley was a good dark force candidate for for, for the captaincy because he is... A such a strong leader and he's so well respected in the room but if that was going to happen it probably would have happened by now I do think it would come down to either Tavares or Matthews it just really the question is do you want someone who has the experience who's just come in to the organization will will Tavares be able to, to glean that respect immediately and, and to be able to wear that letter and everyone in the room who's been there for a while is going to be okay with it or is it Matthews because He is sort of the focal point or the the quote unquote face of the franchise. He was their number one overall pick. He has been turned, he's helped to turn the tide uh, for this team. You know, it's just, it's a question of is he ready? And if he's not ready, if he doesn't want, or even if he doesn't want the responsibility of it, I don't know if he would. It seems like the safer choice would be Taveras, but perhaps, you know, the choice overall that will be the better choice will be Matthews because he's young and he'll be there for a long time. So, I mean I would I would say you know, Tavares just because he has that experience and because he he's dealt with it before and they can always make Matthews captain down the road. So I would I would say Tavares if, if you put me on the spot right now, that would be who I would think.
0: And thirty days from today training camp will open. Kristen before we let you go, just a, a final one on the contract <laughs> situations of Marner, Matthews and Nylander. Nylander's an RFA so uh-huh. he's gotta get done. Uh, Matthews yeah. and, and Marner have another year on their entry level deal. Again, when uh-huh. training camp revolt, you know, comes around, what do you uh-huh. think the contract status of those three players will be like? I, I would assume, well, we know that Nylander will be solved by then, but will uh-huh. it be a long term deal? Do you see a bridge gap? And do you think we'll have long term extensions for Marner and Matthews?
1: I, my feeling on the bridge deal for Nylander is that it doesn't seem to fit in with what Kyle Dubas had said that he wants with these contracts. He said, that it's important for him and for the organization that they have players who want to be here, who understand their vision for what they're doing, and that's where I kind of think the the hiccup been in not getting you done to this point is you're if you're trying to work out a long-term deal, there's a lot of factors that end up going into that, so you kind of have to you have to waive the various pros and cons of, of where he's going to sit in long term with other players coming up through the system, and he has to want to be there. And he has to agree with, with where, you know, the Leafs see him going within the team. So I, it'll be done. I don't suspect it'll be a bridge deal just, just from everything Dubas has said and it, and from what Nylander said, that's not really the goal. Uh, it's, it doesn't seem like that. At least maybe by camp, they start to get anxious and, and they just work something out and then they'll revisit the situation down the road. But, for Matthews and Marner, I wouldn't expect that they're going to sign anything, uh, an extension before the season starts. I wouldn't be surprised to see Marner somewhere in season. He might. I could see that. But uh, for Matthews and Marner, I think they'll just play into the third year of their contract. And by the time we see William Nylander next, it should be with a new contract in hand. I don't imagine anyone wants this dragging on into camp. But where the money is, where the comparable is, a lot of people are talking about Dylan Larkin's contract that he just signed being a comparable for Nylander. I would think it's more Nick uh, Ehlers. It seems like that's more the comparable. So you would look at you know five, six, seven years, whatever it ends up being for around that same amount of money, uh, whether it's five, six, six a year, however it shakes out. Um, but by the time we get to camp, that that should be done. I know on Twitter, everyone's very concerned. I get a lot of questions about it, but <laughs> nothing to report right now. But don't worry, uh, I'm sure that it'll it'll get done because you know Kyle Dubas said that that's the direction the Leafs are going. They're keeping all three, so. Uh, that's where he says they're headed, and, and we'll see how successfully he is in getting
0: there. Kristen, thank you so much for taking a Monday and doing this with us, <laughs> because we know in 30 days you'll be nonstop, so I really appreciate the time.
1: Thanks so much, Tony.
0: All right, thank you. Kristen Shilton, our TSN Lease reporter. Give her a follow on Twitter at Kristen underscore Lease Leasebusters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie, a piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com. We'll take a break. On Toronto Today on TSN 1050, I'm Tony Ambrosio. When we come back, we'll talk Blue Jays with post-media Blue Jays reporter Rob Longley. Welcome back to Toronto Today on TSN 1050 Radio. I'm Tony Ambrosio with you until 1 o'clock when Andy McNamara steps in with the Scott MacArthur show. Scott was doing the morning show today. Scott's back tomorrow on his regular show. But he has overdrive on Friday. Scott MacArthur is here, there, and everywhere. Let's talk some Blue Jays now. They won a game. Uh, Yesterday they beat Tampa Bay (laughs) 2-1. Marcus Stroman went 5 and again got the old blister issue. But everybody's talking about the future, the future, the future. And one of those key figures in the future is Vladi Guerrero, who today was named the International League Batter of the Week. He's hitting nearly 400. Had four homers in five games, four homers in back-to-back-to-back-to-back games. Didn't hit a home run last night. So he is kind of the focus for the Blue Jays. And there has been a lot of narrative on Vladdy Guerrero as the Jays try to forget what's happened in 2018. But we will not forget what happened in 2018. And to talk about the season, my good friend from lovely Burlington, Ontario, from Post Media, Blue Jays reporter Rob Longley. Rob, what's happening, my man?
2: We will forget what happened. 2018.
0: How are you? I'm good, buddy. I'm well. We're still <laughs> yucking it up here on the radio once in a while. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> you can follow Rob on Twitter at Longley Sunsport. Now you're in Kansas City following the Jays for this trip, correct? Correct. You've been following the Jays all season long. Give yeah. me, a, give me a sense of the vibe around the team, because I'm sure it's not a fun place to be.
2: Yeah, Tony, the vibe's really it's 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 shifted and it shifted quite a while ago, but it's getting to that point now where it's uh it's not a happy clubhouse to be around pre-game and post-game and and you you can understand why and it certainly I'm talking more about the veterans, you know, I mean obviously they're 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 disappointed in the way that they've played, they've dis- they're disappointed in the way that the season has gone, but the other huge factor is they now realize that they're in the midst of a, a, a full-on teardown and, you know, with not much idea of where anybody will fit in going forward of any of the veterans I've talked about. And it's just, a, it's just a tough place to be be around now because there's 40-plus games left. And, you know, that that may sound like uh, – two months doesn't sound like much, but when there's 40 games, but that, that's still a lot of baseball love showing up at the ballpark. Too, so. It ain't a happy place right
0: now. Yeah, well, certainly don't envy you at all, Rob. So lots to talk about, and, and I, we'll talk about John Reed Foley and Danny Janston in a second. But I want to talk about John Gibbons. He went on MLB Radio the other day and said, I don't want to be part of a rebuild. And you know what? That's fair. That's fine. I think, though, Rob, that he could handle being part of a rebuild because he was a bench coach with the Royals, with Kane, when Perez, when Gordon were coming up, I think he can deal with youngsters, but it sounds like he doesn't. You've had a chance to talk to to John, I'm sure, both on and off the record. Even if the Jays weren't going to remove him from the post, which it seems like they're going to do, do you get the sense that John would not want to be part of a rebuild?
2: I get the sense that that wouldn't be his, his, his favorite thing to do. Um, uh, he's not going to walk away on his own. Uh, and I Interesting. Think the, 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 yeah, it was very. I think it was very calculated on his part to sort of throw that out there. Uh, but but John Gibbons has had a, like everybody else around this team has had Had a very tough season and a, and a long season, back to back long seasons. And, you know, throughout his career, yes, he's done a lot. He's been a he's been a, a, a bullpen catcher. He's been a base coach. He's coached in the minors. He's been all over the place. So he's seen a lot. But what makes John Gibbons a, a good commodity for this team is the way that he's handled veterans. He was considered to be the perfect manager for a group of, let's face it, ego-driven veterans that this team had when it was going to the playoffs uh, back two or two years Was it only two years ago? Um, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> the Edwins of the world, the Jose Bautistas of the world, the Josh Donaldsons of the world. And they all kind of like them they, because you sort of let them... Let them do what, uh, what they wanted. And he was sort of the, the good guy to be a bit of a hands-off skipper. And, and, and that works well with a veteran team, uh, that, that's, that's having some success. Could he work with kids? I'm sure he could. And, and, and don't discount the possibility that he stays in the organization in some capacity. I don't mean with the big league team, but I could see him being a roving coach or, or something like that. Uh, there's, if you, if you, if you, Dig into the comments that are sort of off the record and 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 beneath what he said last week, I don't think he's ready to get out of baseball by any means, but um you know he's he's well aware that the front office of this team is is very analytics driven and he's you know almost daily makes a crack about the analytics uh world of baseball right now so he he realizes that he's not not necessarily a fit for that part of the way that the, that the organization is going but Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro like John Gibbons, and, and if there is a role for him somewhere in the organization in a different capacity, don't doubt on not not
0: happening. And, and let me say this, Rob: I really find it disrespectful that this rumor has started that he won't last the homestand, which he yeah, has; he's still there. That he'll be done by the end of the season. I mean, I think give this man the respect he deserves let him finish out the season and then if you decide to make a change go ahead but the fact that there was all this talk and chatter and rumor I find very disrespectful to a guy like John Gibbons
2: yeah and and you make it makes you wonder you know the source of of this sort of rumor and the motivation of it I mean is it was it did somebody in the, in the front office sort of plant it so that they would see how John Gibbons reacted which if if that's the case they probably got what they wanted because now it would be very easy to for Ross Atkins to come out here in Kansas City and meet with him after tomorrow's game and say listen John we heard what you said we kind of agree so how do you want to do it do you want to last out the rest last the rest of the season or do you want us to do it now you can go back to San Antonio before even before the team even goes to New York it's just a, it's a shorter flight, which is his home, his off-season home. So it, 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 it makes you wonder if, if, it, if it was calculated, and if it was, they did get the response that they wanted, and they, they essentially have management essentially has the green light to get rid of him whenever they want to now because John Gibbons has basically endorsed it himself.
0: Yeah, very true. It's going to be a really interesting forty games for John, and uh, knowing how he deals with the media and his sense of humor, I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be a few more cracks, a few more hidden jokes in his comments uh, as the season continues that's for sure so tonight sean reed foley makes his uh, blue jays debut i suspect danny jansen catches him what's a reasonable expectation for sean reed foley tonight rob
2: well i would expect a little bit of nerves and uh and a little bit of uh maybe a little bit of a growing pain a little bit of uh being overwhelmed by the moment sean reed foley had a really good uh, start to his season at double a new hampshire and, and you know he's been good at buffalo as well but w- when he was first called up to buffalo he struggled for the first couple of games and, and you often see this with guys as they, as they move to a new level they feel the, pre- the, uh, the pressure to produce right away um, but you know he's going to have a bit of a comfort level he, he's working in a in a very pitcher friendly ballpark mm-hmm. the coffin stadium is, is is certainly known as that He's playing against a team that is actually worse than the Blue Jays, which is a bonus. It's hard to find one of those these days, <laughs> and, and and he'll be pitching to one of his one of his pals. I mean, Danny Jansen and and, and uh, Sean Reed Foley have moved up through the organization, and and they've been a battery together many times at at, at multiple levels. So so I, you know, I, I don't expect it to be a disaster. You kind of hope that he gets through it a little bit. You know, Tony, this is one of my favorite things in baseball is to see. A, a kid get his first start or his first first appearance in in, in the majors, and it actually makes looking it, it makes going to the ballparks something to look forward to tonight. Because unlike, unlike baseball, unlike, unlike hockey and some of the other big league sports, it's it's a grind to get there. I mean, it takes years and it takes levels, and it's it's such a big occasion when a, when a, when a kid finally, even if it's a, a top prospect that was going to be a cat miss anyway, until they actually get on a diamond and perform. It's, 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 uh, it's an elusive thing. So it's always sort of a magical moment when, when, when people get this opportunity and to see a, an actual battery do it together. I think it'll be, it'll be kind of fun to watch Danny Jansen. I think he is most certainly the capture of the future. If he can, if he can, uh, move forward and continue to progress the way he has over the last year and it'll be interesting to see how, how he does over the, the remainder of the season. And I expect that he'll get a fair bit of time behind the plate and we'll see Russ uh, Martin sort of nurturing them in whatever way he can. But it wouldn't be a surprise to me if Danny Jensen plays more games behind the dish than either Russ Martin or Luke Maley the rest of the way. Well,
0: the rebuild certainly is continuing and has uh, been expedited in recent uh, weeks. So this is Toronto Today on TSN 1050. I'm Tony Ambrose. Your guest is intrepid Blue Jays reporter for Postmedia, Rob Longley. Well, wait a minute. That's wait a minute. Intrepid. Pretty good word. <laughs> Came up of the no. top of my head. Wow. At Longley Sunsport on Twitter. Okay, Rob, here we are, August 13, 2018. So it only makes sense for me to ask you this question. Tell me who will be the starting rotation come April of 2019. Will it be Foley and Baracki? Will they be two of the five?
2: I think there's a pretty good chance of that. I mean, Baracki for sure. And if Reed Foley, you know, like, forget about what he does tonight, but if he shows enough progress over the over the next uh, sixty days, that he's got a good chance of it. So there's two fifths of it. Do I have to keep going? Yes. <laughs> um, Aaron Sanchez for about two starts until something wow. else goes wrong.
0: Wow! <laughs> you become like Steve Buffrey, very jaded. <laughs>
2: very jaded, and I don't think I can go deeper than that because I I'm I'm not convinced that uh, that um, uh, Marcus Stroman doesn't get traded. At some point in the off season, but maybe Sam Gaviglio. He's a, it's a minor miracle that this man is still starting games for mm. this team. Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't won a game since May. I mean, he has and he hasn't been garbage. Obviously, if he was garbage, he still wouldn't be he wouldn't be uh, he wouldn't be pitching. But he's he's the kind of guy that you know. To me, his ceiling is. Is, is bullpen and you know maybe long inning relief, not a not a starter, but that's it. it, it speaks not to how Sam Gavilio pitches, throws baseballs. It speaks to the lack of depth uh, that the Jays have at the starting pitching position and the disaster that they've that they've had to, to go through this year, whether it be through injury or poor performance, performance or too many guys in the deal or whatever. It, it, the starting pitching has been a, a disaster all year, and it's probably. The biggest single component for the Jays being where they are today.
0: And it was supposed to be a strength, right? We came it into the season was, thinking yeah. if they could stay healthy, this could be the strength of the team. It's pretty yeah. apparent they don't really care about this year. And it's apparent to me right now they're not worried about next year. So having said that, what do the Jays management have to do this off season to show fans that they're going to at least try and compete in 2019?
2: Well, they would have to do something that they promised to do the last two off seasons. They didn't do so. I wouldn't be holding my breath too long on it. And that's to be somewhat aggressive in in the in the, uh, in the uh, free agent hunt in the off season or or trading. You know, maybe have a chip in in Strowman and you can get something. But the difficulty, Tony, is what do you do with the big elephant in the room? And it's the elephant you want on your team, Vlad Guerrero Junior. Mm-hmm. He's going to be here next year. We know that. But do you want Vlad Guerrero to be up here and have no support? You want that money clock starting to tick and waste one, two, maybe three seasons of you know the best prospect in baseball and really a can't miss guy? Do you want to have a team of garbage around him? I mean, you gotta you gotta try to you can tear it down, but you can't tear it down for too long when you've got when you've got assets like that. And I don't think you can afford to tear it down for too long or have a tear down take too long in a market like Toronto that is. Uh, let's face it, a market like Canada that has supported this team in wild fashion over the last three or four years. It's a goldmine that, that Alex Anthopoulos created by getting that team to the, for those magical playoff runs of 2015 and 2016. And it's almost as if this this management brain trust is trying to strip it all away as fast as they can. So, so I think they have got to find some sort of pieces that, that they, can, they can at least put together a roster to support Vlad Guerrero Jr., and, and and you know that's fully recognizing that there could be two or three more kids coming along fairly quickly as well. So you don't have to do a you don't have to get seven or eight position players, but you've got to get at least a couple, and you've got to make sure that you've got a starting rotation that is fit for the major leagues. Yeah, if,
0: I mean, if Vlad Guerrero is your best player when he comes up in late April or early May of 2019, that is a problem, Rob Longley.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and I. You know, I I hear the noise and and I understand the noise about call him up now, call him up now. I, you know, I've been fortunate enough to see him play half a dozen times myself, and it, it it really is something special. But trust me, man, you do not want to have Lad Guerrero Jr. come up right now and be a part of this, uh, this uh, clubhouse. I mean, who's going to nurture him in there? You know, and these guys, these guys can't have the season end as, you know, it can't end quick enough for anybody in there right now, and. And the team's going nowhere. Why not just leave him in Buffalo where he, where he can continue to develop the way he is? Um, have a good off season, probably play, uh, he'll either go back to the Dominican or he'll play Arizona Fall League, which is the latter, which I think the management would prefer. And then come have a big spring training, start the season off in Buffalo. And by the end of April, have him up there and boom, away to go. And hopefully have a little bit of support and a little bit of momentum to go with him so that he can get off to a, at least a comfortable start to his major league year, if not a, you know, a necessarily a rousing, winning one. You want you want you want the comfort level around him to be, to be strong. And I think that's one of the things that that's it's a challenge, but I think it's something that management is committed to trying to do.
0: It will be a very interesting off season again for Atkins and Shapiro, no doubt. Rob, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate the time. Good talking to you again. Enjoy Kansas City and enjoy watching Sean Reed Foley make his big league debut tonight.
2: Thanks, Tony. Good to hear you on the airwaves again. Yeah. We'll yuck it up again soon.
0: I can't wait. Thanks, Rob. All
2: right, buddy. Take, Take care. care.
0: Rob Longley from Toronto Sun Post Media. Follow Rob on Twitter at Longley Sunsport. This is Toronto Today on TSN ten fifty. I'm Tony Ambrosio. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony underscore Ambrosio. And of course you can follow us on Twitter at TSN ten fifty radio. We'll wrap things up and talk more about the Maple Leafs as thirty days from today, believe it or not training camp opens for Toronto. We'll do that and more after this. Welcome back as we wrap up Toronto Today on TSN 1050 Radio. I'm Tony Ambrosio. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony underscore Ambrosio or on our TSN 1050 Radio Twitter page at TSN 1050 Radio. 30 days from today as we just heard, the Maple Leafs open training camp. Hard to believe, I know. And we've started a poll today asking you, what do you think will be the biggest storyline heading into camp? Will the Leafs name a captain? William Nylander's contract situation? The young D-men at camp, can any of those guys, like Timothy Lillgren, make the step up to the NHL? And just simply having John Tavares in blue and white. We've asked the question, and in a large majority... John Tavares in blue and white is the leader right now at forty-eight percent. William Nylander is next at thirty-eight percent. Young d Men at eight, and the Leafs naming the captain at six. So that's uh that is our poll. Still so have time to get in there and cast your vote at TSN ten fifty radio. Andy McNamara steps in at one for the Scott MacArthur show. Andy, I'm sure we'll be talking about Jim Neinhardt, who passed away suddenly and and sadly today at the age of 63 Jim the Anvil Neidhart a two-time WWF tag team champion part of the Hart Foundation with his real-life brother-in-law Bret Hart very recognizable in the 80s and the 90s he had that very world-famous goatee looking a bit like our producer Joe Narsa minus the rest of of the beard and he always wore pink and black wrestling gear. That was his go-to move to wear the pink and black. But Jim, the Anvil Neidhart dead at 63. And I'm sure Andy McNamara, who is a big-time wrestling fan, will talk more about that. want to talk a bit about the NFL for just a moment. One of my favorite radio people in the U.S. is Mike Francesa, formerly... The morning guy at WFAN 660, retired, has come back in his 60s, and he just can't leave the game. Interesting guy with his takes. So on Saturday, ahead of the preseason games, and there were a slew of games on Saturday, slew of games. He's a big Jets guy. That's his team. So he puts out on Twitter, when you see or hear a declaration made about a coach quarterback or team after one preseason game played at half speed with no sophistication and limited personnel, laugh at it, or better yet, ignore it. So this is Mike's tweet earlier on the day on Saturday. Then they play the games on Saturday night, like I mentioned, a bunch of games on Saturday. One of those games involved the New York Jets and Sam Darnold. The quarterback the Jets took in the first round, who could have been the first overall pick in the last NFL draft. Well, Darnold has a pretty good day. It's an okay day. The Jets won the game, 17 nothing. They go 13 for 18, 96 yards and a touchdown. So this is Sam Darnold's NFL preseason debut, 13 for 18, 96 yards and a touchdown. Jets blank the Falcons, 17 nothing. We're talking preseason football again. And then hours after Francesa says, Don't let preseason fool you. It's half speed, half the playbook, not as complicated on defense. He comes back on Twitter and says, the debate should be a short one. Sam Darnold should be the starting quarterback right now. The Jets have found their guy. (laughs) I mean, talk about going from one extreme to the other. That's what Mike did on Twitter. And yes, Sam Darnold was okay in his preseason debut. But let's slow your roll, Jets fans. He was 13 for 18, 96 yards, and a touchdown. I will say there were other notable performances on the first NFL preseason week. You had Josh Allen with the Bills, 9 for 19, 116 yards, and a touchdown pass. Baker Mayfield with Andy's Cleveland Browns, pretty good, 12 for 20. He had two touchdown passes and 212 yards. But if the Browns are smart, They will not make him their starting day quarterback. They will go with Tyrod Taylor, let Baker Mayfield sit on the sidelines, watch, learn, develop, and really temper the expectations on Baker Mayfield. Whenever you're the number one pick in a draft, and especially when you're the number one pick on a draft in the NFL and you're a quarterback, expectations go through the roof. But for Baker Mayfield, the best thing for him is to start The year on the sidelines and let Tyrod Taylor begin the year. But again, give Baker Mayfield credit. Had a nice start to his NFL season. 212 yards passing, two touchdowns for the Cleveland Browns. The Browns that on Saturday played against the Giants, so the number two pick in that draft was Saquon Barkley. Had a pretty good day for the Giants. Again, high expectations, a wonderful running back who can do it all. He's a passing threat, obviously a running threat. One of those freaks of nature, the way he's built, the way he runs. Four carries, 43 yards rushing. It was okay, but again, let's temper the expectations. So the NFL preseason is off and running. And again, as Mike Francesa put on Twitter, when you see or hear a declaration made about a coach, a quarterback, or a team after one preseason game, played at half speed, with no sophistication, limited personnel, laugh it off, or better yet, ignore it. So, Mike, I'm going to ignore your second Twitter, which said the debate should be a short one. Sam Darnold is the guy for the Jets. Let's well, cool. Just just slow, slow your roll. Calm down and see what happens. So, again, 30 days from today, the Maple Leafs opened training camp, and I do wonder if the Leafs will name a captain. We had Dave Poulin on earlier, and he kind of poo-pooed the idea, didn't think it was necessary, didn't see the Maple Leafs doing that, and then an hour later, we had Kristen Shilton on, our Maple Police reporter, who suggested, yeah, it might happen, that they might name a captain. And if they do, she suspects it'll be John Tavares. I would think that when training camp opens in one month from today, that the Leafs will, A, put an end to captain talk by either naming a captain or saying they're not going to name a captain for a few weeks or a few months or this season at all. I suspect the Leafs will take care of that right away and deal with that and end the speculation on the captaincy right from day one. I'll be intrigued to see what they do with John Tavares, how much attention he gets as far as is he going to be speaking to the media every day? Is he going to be speaking once or twice a week? How often does he address the media? I thought the Leafs did a really good job protecting often Matthews a year ago, although I will say this. Austin Matthews was made available to the media what seemed like a daily basis and was very good, I thought, and really was able to kind of temper the expectations on him and his team. And I think that the Leafs will try and do something similar with John Tavares. Maybe, not that Tavares needs protection. I mean, he's been in the spotlight. He's been in the glare since he was with the Toronto Marlies as a 13-year-old, drafted by the Oshawa Generals at 14, playing as a 15-year-old. I think he can handle the sideshow that comes with being a Maple Leaf and handle it very well. But I do expect that the Leafs will do their best to temper the expectations, to just calm him down a bit, and, and not make all the attention, all the expectations on Tavares, but more about the team. I'll be intrigued to see how Mike Babcock handles things. Because Mike Babcock, let's be honest here, he's had a free ride. Nobody has questioned anything Mike Babcock has done. Although they did give him a, a, a bit of a hard time about the lines. But in all reality, he's had a pretty free ride, pretty smooth sailing since he's joined the Maple Leafs. Expectations seem to have been really tempered on him, I think, because we expected the team to struggle and and they slowly built to where they are now. So I, I really will be intrigued to see what kind of expectation, how things go on Mike Babcock, and how he handles the attention, how he handles the expectations. It'll be intriguing for me to see how Mike Babcock handles all of that. So, again, training camp opens one month from today, if you can believe it. If you thought you had a lot of summer left, you don't. You have one month until Hockey Talk ramps up here on TSN 1050. Again, still time to go to our TSN 1050 uh, Twitter feed, at TSN 1050 Radio, and take part in the poll that we have today. 30 days since Leafs training camp. When it opens, what is the biggest storyline heading into the Leafs training camp? And you are voting overwhelmingly seeing John Tavares in blue and white. I want to wrap up here just talking a bit about Tiger Woods yesterday. I know Brooks Kepka won the PGA championship, and I know he was hitting 340 yard bombs straight down the middle, and he was tremendous, but it's hard. Not to appreciate, not to realize how much Tiger Woods, even in his early 40s, still means to the PGA, still means to golf, still means to the television stations that broadcast the majors and golf. I said this earlier and I'll say it again. No athlete in 2018, not LeBron James... Not Tom Brady, not Connor McDavid, with all due respect to Serena Williams and Roger Federer and and Sidney Crosby and Austin Matthews and John Tavares, no single athlete moves the needle like Tiger Woods. You had non-golf fans watching golf yesterday on a beautiful Sunday afternoon, glued to their TV sets to watch what Tiger Woods was doing. When Tiger had that putt and the ball was just hanging on the hole in not drop I was in the TSN newsroom yesterday working on a few highlight packages and the number of people who said in your life the Vern Lundquist line when Tiger made that putt at the Masters a number of years ago because we were watching Tiger play in 08 and we are watching Tiger play again in 19 Darren Dreger but on Twitter. Great tweet. Hey, I've got plans for today, but I've lost four hours because I can't leave my sofa because I'm glued to the set watching Tiger do his thing. Jeff McDonald, our program director, came in this morning. Huge golf guy. First thing he said. Beautiful day at the cottage. Not a ripple on the lake. Calm as can be. And I saw it from the inside of my couch. From the inside of my living room, watching on my couch, watching Tiger. Ralph and Adele. Wins in Toronto yesterday. As he's tying his shoes, getting set for the trophy ceremony, he pulls out his phone. Now, right away you're thinking, oh, he's, he's checking to get the congratulatory emails and the congratulatory text that he won an event. No! He's trying to find out how Tiger did. How's Tiger doing? Where is he at? Bob Weeks, when he was on earlier today, talked about how as soon as Tiger was done at the PGA, Thousands of spectators left. Instead of staying around to watch Brooks Kepka finish his last few holes, they were leaving. So Brooks Kepka wins his third major in 14 months, his second major of the year, and it didn't matter. It was all about Tiger Woods. Even in 2018, Tiger Woods still holds our fascination. We love watching him play. And even though he lost a good decade of prime time golfing seasons and golfing years, it is still, in 2018, all about Tiger Woods. Well, that does it for the two-hour Toronto Talk today. I'm Tony Ambrosio. Thanks for listening. Thanks to the cast and crew behind the scenes. Our producer, Joe Narsa. Great job. Technical producer Steve Eliopoulos, as always, pushing the right buttons, making me sound okay. Our associate producer, Tyler Kelleher. Our updates announcer, Tristan Fitzpatrick. Thanks to all of you for making my return to the airwaves semi-smooth. Not exactly perfect, but semi-smooth. I've enjoyed it. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Monday. Stick around. Upcoming, it's the Scott MacArthur Show with Annie McNamara. He's up next. Have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your week.